Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends. The Blog Talk Radio is off the shelf for this Saturday, July the 13th. I can hardly believe that we are in the middle of July already. Oh, my goodness, you have to take advantage of the present and take advantage of every, every second that you have. It goes by so, so quickly. I want to thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Like I always tell you, and I mean this so much, I wish I could meet every listener that we've had over going on 10 years. It is such a joy to have you here with us, and you are the reason that I keep doing Off the Shelf and the wonderful, wonderful guests that I'm able to connect with. They share so much, so entertainment, inspiration, and insights, and more humor, and more with you that you can use to your advantage in your personal life. That's why I love doing Off the Shelf. For those of you who've been with us for going on 10 years, I cannot thank you enough. I say it at the start of every show because I so mean it. I'm so glad to have you here with us, and I encourage you to tell your colleagues, your family, and your friends, if you enjoy Off the Shelf, tell somebody else about it. We're on every Saturday, 11 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time. For those it's your first time coming over to Off the Shelf, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And thank you, thank you, my friends, for your support. And I encourage you, don't let this day go by before you pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You're going to get romance and mystery. You're going to get high-speed chasings, and, and, and a relationship between a father and a son and friendships in this book that I think will stay with you for years and years and years. And you can get love pour over me right now from online or offline retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google, eBook, at Walmart, you name it, uh, bookstores, libraries. If you don't see it on the shelf, ask the clerk for it. Because Love Pull Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Jacqueline Goodwin. Jacqueline earned a master's degree in counseling from Webster University. She is a mother and a daughter. She is also an ordained minister. Sunday school teacher and mentor. She is the author of the book Healing in the Vessel. And you can check Jacqueline out online at healingthevesselministry.com. And it is spelled exactly the way it sounds, H-E-L-H-E-A-L-I-N-G-T-H-E-B-E-S-S-E-L-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y.com. Healing the Vessel ministry.com healing the vessel ministry.com you can click over there now even as you listen to her interview here on off the shelf you can read some of her book excerpts read her bio learn a little bit more about her so please hop over to healing the vessel ministry.com as you enjoy today's show we are absolutely delighted to have this inspiring writer with us here this morning on off the shelf welcome 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 Jacqueline Thank you. I'm excited about being on the show. Okay. We we are eager, our listeners, to hear what you will share with us, you know, those who tune in live today and those who tune in over the coming weeks. You will get thousands and thousands and thousands of listen, people listening to your, your interview and, and may be blessed from what you share here on the show today. I want to start by asking you, Jacqueline, where did you grow up? And how did your childhood experiences influence you to become both a writer and an ordained minister? Um, I grew up in a little country town called um, Eastover. Um, And growing up there, that influenced me to become a writer. When I was going to school, I always liked writing in my diary. So that really influenced me with um, writing the book, just writing in my diary, I also, um, like, when I went to college, I majored in English when I got my um, undergraduate degree. So I've always enjoyed writing. Um, In my youth, I wrote poems. Um, My mother gave me my poem book that I've written in high school, junior high school poems that I've written when I was younger. 
And after I got older, I went through a divorce. I started going back into my passion of writing. Mm. Becoming a, a ordained um, pastor, I sort of was running for that calling for some years. And prior to um, the death of my mom, about 2008, 2000, she passed away in 2008 and 2007. She kept, you know, just talking to me, saying, you know, you need to yield to your calling. And I finally surrendered to the calling. And and just told God have its way. Wow, wow! Now Eastover is what state is that in? It's in South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking of New Jersey. I, I've heard of a town similar to that in Jersey, so that's what I was wondering. Isn't that something? I worked with uh, um, two people who told me they ran from a calling. One said seventeen years, the other ten years. And we know what we know, what we know. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be the ministry. It could be something else. You may just know that you should move. You may know that you should end a relationship. Right. And you you just keep fighting it and putting it off. And then eventually, because what Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is within us, you're really battling yourself. So at a certain point, you just say, you know what, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot fight. I cannot fight this anymore. And then some people may keep fighting it. You know, I don't know. Right. But I, I, that's that sounds familiar. And you, people say they run for years, but they know, they know they're running. <laughs> and you don't have no. I know that's for me. I didn't have no peace. It's like no matter what I tried to do, it was just always there in my face. I remember going to um, different church services, you know, out of town, and, and the pastor that's running that revival would say something to me, and I'm looking around, who are you talking to? <laughs> and they can point me out, calling me up fine, and I'm like, okay, okay. You know, and leaving that revival, and I said, okay, Lord, I, I just want to do my own thing a little while longer. And um, it was it was when I um, went, went to become paralegal at my job at Richmond County Public Defender's Office in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I met a young lady, and... Um, me and her became friends, and she told mm-hmm. me, she said, you're just still running. And wow. I was like, okay, let me just yeah. ease in there. But then when my mom just really started, you know, talking to me about it, and I said, you know what, let me go ahead and surrender because I'm not having no peace. Wow, isn't that something? And and, and, I, and every time something's shared, I believe it's for somebody. Somebody may listen to the show today. And it tick, and they may listen to a week from now, and they it may tick for them as well. Now, are you the only writer in your family? I know you said your mother gave you your poetry book. Are you the only writer? And if so, what what has that been like? Not having somebody else in your family or your immediate circle to talk about how you feel as a writer and different ideals you're having as a writer. Um, well, in my family, as far as my Sibling, it's only me and my brother and my aunts and uncles. None of them. I am the only writer, but my children are inspiring writers. Um, oh. They they have that gift. They, uh, matter of fact, my oldest um, wrote a book. It isn't published. Wrote a book and it got. She just promote the books. But she first it after that. You're actually fading in and out a little bit, Jacqueline. Okay. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. But so one, your, your, one of your children has written a book, but it hasn't been published, and your kids have that gift of writing. Yeah. So um, as far as, like, having someone, like, older, like, my age-wise to talk to in my immediate family, I don't have that to um, share and, and bounce ideas off I usually, like, um, talk with my oldest daughter or um, my other teacher who have three children. And um, I share the idea with them and they give their feedback. So it was, um, as far as that, it's, it's been kind of, like, isolated because okay. I'm the, 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 the first author in the family. So it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a sort of an isolation for me to expect because I don't have that aspect to share with others that are around my age group about okay. writing and, and, and to bounce off ideas. It must be something though to watch your kids to watch your kids um, 
become writers. Now, I know you said you wrote you wrote poetry when you were younger. Have you ever uh, written any fiction, like uh, short stories or a novel? And if if not, do you think that's something you might do one day? No, I haven't written any yet, but I think that's something I might venture out on in the future. Okay. Now, in addition to a counseling degree, you also it's a, you have a bachelor's in English, as you noted earlier. Um, and I want to ask you this before I get into more of the, the ministry of your book. Was it your dream to become a writer when you were a kid, or were you just doing? Were you just writing to express yourself? And if it wasn't your dream to become a writer when you were a child, what did you dream of becoming? Okay. Uh, when I was a child, it wasn't my dream to become a writer. I just was writing to express myself. Like I said earlier, I like writing in my diaries. I like writing poetry. It was just a way, a form of expressing what I was going through, what I was feeling at that time. Um, what I desired or inspired to be was uh, an attorney. Wow. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. Yes, and, and God took me on a, a whole different path. Wow. What made you want to be a, an attorney? You saw an attorney working and you thought, that looks fascinating. Yes, I just was always um, fascinated. I can't remember the show when I was younger. It was a Madlock thing. It was Madlock. I just um, like watching Madlock and, and them going into the courtroom. So I just came fascinated by that and Perry Mason, those shows. Oh, I remember Perry Mason. It's interesting what makes us want to do something. I just find that fascinating. And being an attorney is, I mean, the study, the work that goes into it. Can you take us on a journey? You told us that you ran from your, your calling into the ministry. Can you take us on a journey through your, your work history for our, our listeners? One thing I like to, you know, and, I, and it's something I've learned in life, and why I'm asking you this question a lot of times we get somewhere in life and we think we're just supposed to stay there forever. But it's it's a journey, and so things change. Can you share with us a part of your journey through your work history that led you from your first job to how you became an ordained ministry, just the different jobs that you've worked in your life? Okay, on um, my first job, I remember, let me start with, was um, the Department of Human Health in South Carolina. Um, I worked there, and during that time, I met a young lady, and God was using me to minister to her. And I'm the type of person, well, I was the type of person, I was shy. So Mm -hmm. God would give me something to tell her, and I'd be, like, going back and forth with the Lord. No, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm going to wait. So one day, she was going through a lot, and it was just so heavy on me, and I just began to minister to her. So after I got through ministering to her, she said, um, you have a calling on your life. So then I back back in my shell. I was like, see, that's why I don't like doing this. <laughs> so me and Vivian, we became very good friends. And at that time, I, I went back to school to take up paralegal. And I kept telling um, Vivian I was married at the time. I said, well, it would take a lot for me to go to law school now. So I'm just going to go and take some paralegal class. So I went there. I took some paralegal class at um, Southern University. And I um, graduated magna cum laude there, and then I got a oh, job yeah. at Richmond, Richmond County Public Defender's Office. And it was so ironic because I went there to do an internship, and they didn't have any space for me to do an internship, but then they ended up hiring me for the paralegal um, for the family court department. Wow. So you still, I you still go, um, go ahead. Okay, and I worked there for about eight years, meeting different people and um, different clients, and I just began to, God was still using me to minister to them, and one of the parents suggested, she said, you ever thought about counseling? Hmm. And I was like, no, I don't have no degree in counseling. I don't, I don't want to go back to school. So mm-hmm. um, one of my coworkers, we would have to go in the courtroom. And she was telling me about Western University. She's like, you need to go back to school to be a counselor. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back to school. So she went and called Western University from the judge phone. Oh, and my back goodness. Out. And she said, you have a call. And I said, well, nobody knows the wow. judge's number because they don't give out that number. So nobody wouldn't call me on that number. 
And she said, well, maybe one of your attorneys that went back downstairs is calling you. I was like, okay, that could be true because we have it. So I went back there and it was Wester, and the lady was saying, actually, Pam was acting as if she was me and she didn't have enough information. So when I got on the phone, I went out to Wester University, met with the director over the council department, and I told him I was just coming to get the information. And he said, what can I do for you to start next semester? And I was like, wow. well, really? I don't have the, the application fee. I haven't, you know, asked for my transcript from my Francis Marion. He said, no, you need to be in this program. He said, I'm going to waive the counselor application fee. Wow. Oh, he my said, goodness. You go ahead and request your transcript, but we're going to go ahead and sign you up. And I was wow. on the way. He walked me outside, and I remember Dr. Tuma saying these words to me. He said, some people go to school for counseling as a major. He said, but God is going to use this as your calling. Wow. Isn't that and so I good? said, okay. I said, okay. He said, this is going to be a part of your ministry. And I'm like, well, all I do is sing on the choir. So if you want to use it on the choir, that's all right. And uh, so after I worked at the public I left there, got my counselor's degree, worked in Orangeburg for a couple of months, and God allowed me to minister to some people there. And then he told me that I needed to design my season was there. And um, I left there and came back and worked at Laredac. Wow. And um, after I worked there, God began dealing with me about um, doing some ministry, promoting my book. And mm. that's how I ended up where I am today. Wow, what an interesting journey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, thank you for sharing that. I just think it's important for people to know that where you are is not doesn't mean that's where you're going to always be. And you just have oh, to keep yeah. moving forward. I think that is so important, so important to know. That is now, very how key. do you – go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that is very key because when you, when I look back over my life and say, okay, I started here as yes. a child. I, I remember in eighth grade wanting to be an attorney, but God, that was not the path. That's why the word of God said our ways and our thoughts are not his ways and his thoughts. So he just took a whole different course. And mm-hmm. then um, – after I went, um, took, got the counseling, worked there for Laredo, then God stopped pushing me into the ministry, and that's when I just yielded to my call, and then I, I got ordained. As past, he wow. gave me the ministry, in advance. So um, it was when my mom passed away in 2008, and he said, this is the time for you to start your, your ministry. This is the time for your book to be birthed. And um, I just like, okay, and then I actually – was being a little was being disobedient to start visiting other churches and I met a pastor, um, Pastor Victoria, and she told me, she said she called me to the altar. She said, I know you came here to join my um ministry. She said, but I gotta be obedient. She said, God said he's already equipped you to start and do what he's called you to do. He said, it's, wow. it's time for you to start running. She said there's a ministry that is in your belly that must come out of the spiritual realm and be birthed into the earth. Wow. That, that final push is what <laughs> and the, the people who show up in our lives to tell us things, even the things that we really don't want to hear. I I want to I want to uh, ask you, uh, and this again, I ask questions that can benefit our off the shelf listeners as well. Um, how do you silence your mind before we talk about healing? Because I think this is a part of healing. The mind is chatter, 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 and it never stops. How do you silence your mind and get in touch with God each day? Um, I, I'm, I'm an athletic person. I love exercising. Mm-hmm. And I walk. Oh, okay. Wow. I have. I, I, I when I tell people, it's not that I'm being antisocial, but I have to walk by myself because it's being. When it's that time, that quiet time, my mind is relaxed. I'm focusing mm-hmm. and, and grasping and receiving the revelations that God wants to impart in me. Because sometimes when we walk with people, they'll be talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, I do think walk with people. Some oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You you go ahead. Finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know I do walk with people, but when I need that, as you ask me the question, what silence my mind? I have to walk alone. Okay. 
And and and, and I think everybody's something different because a lot of people sometimes say they just sit still meditating. And 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 I do I will say to our off the shelf listeners, if you ever are experiencing a bout of anxiety or stress, if you just sit still for a minute. And maybe just find a spot on the wall to focus on or just a sound to tune into, the sound of a fan, the sound of something humming. That anxiety will immediately start to lower. Our minds just, uh, conscious and subconscious, just... (laughs) You got to find time every day to just still the mind and get silent. I think that is very, very important. Do you, Jacqueline, do you think from your experiences and your studying and your learning with counseling and working with different people, do you think we know we're heading for a valley? We talked about the journey. When we were talking about your work history, that we don't always stay where we are. Do you think we know we're heading for a valley, a struggle, when we start journeying in that direction? Do you think when we start getting off track, do you think we know that right away? No. Um, sometimes I don't think we know it, and, and, and sometimes I think we do have the inkling that we are, are heading into a valley when we are um, – um, um, so you're asking like if, if if we know that we're supposed to be doing something and, and we um, come off that path. Do we do we know when we're making choices, when we whether it is in in action, we know we should take action and we don't. Uh, maybe something is telling us start looking for another job. We don't, and then we get laid okay. off and we go into a financial valley. Maybe something is telling us break off this relationship. We don't. We get married to the person. I know somebody that this happened to. We have four or five kids, and the person is extremely abusive toward us, and we have to deal with that. Do Do you think we know? Because it also it just always starts out looking so good. Do you think we know when we're headed for a valley? Something saying no, 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 don't go that way, and then we get okay. I go go ahead. No, I'm finished. Do you think we know? Do you think we know? Now I understand what you're asking. Yes, I do think we know. I'm going to I'm sharing from one of my own experience. Um, I knew when I got married um, that, that that still still small voice, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me, this is not your mate. Call your wedding. Wow. I was focused on what people are going to say instead of being obedient to the voice of God. Mm. And it goes back when I said, believe it was Apostle Paul or Apostle Peter says, better to obey the voice of God than the voice of oh, man. Yes. And sometimes we get so comfortable, we, 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 are, we haven't been delivered from people. So when we are not delivered mm. from people, we'll begin to move by our flesh. Mm-hmm. And I think um, God is always... Warning us whether we want to say it's an inkling or it's an inspiration, it's insight. We always have that that voice that's telling us, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. Don't don't do that. Don't in that in, in that relationship. Um, come off that job, you know. And sometimes, oh my goodness, when, when God has to throw us out, why do we get unexpectedly we get fired? Because God has been dealing with you. I really believe that that God always de- deals with us. Beforehand, he's always uh, pushing us, but when we don't want to step out of that boat uh, like Peter did, then God said, "Well, let me come along. Let me just toss you out," because he had to toss mm. Donna out the fish's belly. So some of us got to be tossed out. We got to be tossed out of that relationship. I've known women that have been beaten down blue, but yet I still mm. love them. That's not love. No, 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 no. But it takes you, wow. the, uh, and God has to make you, okay, your child getting hurt or your child speaking out. Oh, you don't realize my it's time to come out. Because wow. I was in that way, you know, my, mentally, and I wasn't physically abused, but just verbally little things being said. My 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 hair was popping for stress. My my gum was bleeding. My pressure was up. Oh. But yet I was standing there for my children. But when Ooh. my baby girl at the age of seven said, well, mama, Daddy said, or not, guess what? We're going to be okay. Yeah. And it took that for me to realize you need to do what's best for you because if you're stressed and not healthy, you're no good for your children. Wow. Oh, my goodness. You know, you hear people often say this, uh, and I thank you for sharing that. You hear people often say, but I didn't know. How many 
many times have I heard somebody oh, say, yeah. like, <laughs> like something just happened? But then when you really talk to people, they did have clues. They did have signs. I agree with you. I don't think things just happen. I think we do get clues and signs. Whether we want to heed them or not, that's on us. But I do yeah. think that they come. So often you'll hear somebody say, I had no idea. I had no clue. I don't know. Maybe you just didn't want to look at the clues. Maybe you wanted it one way and every other sign that came up that said, no, that's not going to go this way. You just you just raced it and, and wrote it off. I, I do think we get, I don't think tragedy, these stuff often don't just happen to us. Yeah. We see no. this stuff coming. We see it coming. We, I, I, I agree with that. It's, just, it's what we choose. It's like the saying says, um, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And that can go along with say whatever we want to see because we are the beholder. However, you may be on the outside seeing I'm in an abusive relationship and I know that I'm being beaten down, but in from my view I'm still in psychologically in my mind gonna still say, But it's maybe it's my fault, I know that he loves me. Mm. Oh my goodness. Now now be then at a certain point we start to experience pain, and the human system is only made to take so much pain. So when you get to a certain limit, then you do, like you said, you do start to make some better choices. Um, I want to ask you this. Some people believe, and you're talking about healing in the vessel, some people believe that God uses suffering to improve us. Uh, I'm not going to share my views on that because I hear people say this, 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 jacked up situation I'm in that really you could have avoided came to make me stronger. I always question that. If God made us right the first time, why does God need to use darkness? Hello? To to uh, I'm pausing for effect. Why does God okay. need to use darkness? God. Why does God need to use darkness to do a good work? Do you do you a lot of people will say we suffering. To God's gonna make me better. Either one, He didn't make you right the first time. Okay. Or, or, or I, I was just. Why do you think when people try to explain suffering, and I'm not talking about when a loved one passes and we with that. I'm talking situations. A lot of our suffering is situations we got into. But why do you think, from your view, that we suffer? Okay, some of our suffering comes from our own choice. I believe that. Some of our suffering comes from our own choice. Some things that we just have to go through um, for God to get the glory out of. We look at, at, at Job. Job was an upright man, but there was things that God had allowed Job to go through. He lost his children. He lost his livestock. He lost um, everything. But that was part for Job's suffering was a part of God to show that he's the sovereign God. So something, what is Job's choice to say, oh, I want all my children to be taken away. I want to lose all my livestock. That was an suffering that God had for his birth to be revealed to show that what Job goes through, he will not turn his back on God. And some of our suffering, God wants to teach us a lesson out of. What am I learning from this? What is the lesson that I'm gaining that's going to take me to another level in God? Because we want to go to another level in God. I hear people say, well, I want to grow. I want to go to another dimension in God. Well, what are you saying, really? In order to go to another dimension, you're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to go through some suffering. So you can be um, humbled, so you can see what's inside your heart to be removed. I I I believe that the, the suffering comes because um, you could call it the flesh or the ego. There's that battle mm-hmm. that's going on. If that if mm-hmm. if the ego if we weren't if we didn't yield at all to the flesh or the ego, I don't think that the suffering we would understand things more fully, and then there right. wouldn't be the suffering. There's that battle. Then and when, like when you were talking about running, and you said you didn't have no peace. There's that battle. We don't even in this world at our highest knowledge is even nowhere near, nowhere near uh, uh, God's wisdom in this world. When we get more oh, wise, no. <laughs> I, I think we understand things and the suffering goes away. We understand things. The suffering may even be a sign that we don't understand. That 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 it then it goes, it starts to go away. But I think that battle with the ego, it just wants to reign. <laughs> Yes, 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 and I agree with that. That, that spiritual, <laughs> that 
um, going back and forth because God is not the author of confusion. But when you have that, that peace that surpasses understanding, mm. that is one confirmation. The other okay. confirmation, what you mentioned earlier, is um, when God uses somebody that don't know any, you've been in prayer, you haven't shared it with anybody, and God mm. just uses somebody to come speak that word, and you're like, wow. Yes. Wow, yeah. 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 When, I look, when I look back at uh, the things that you've shared so far, you seem so um, right to talk about this topic, especially since you ran from a calling. So you, you would know. You would know how it would feel when you're running because you've done that, and you would know how it would feel when you, you, it's the right thing to do because you've done that. Can you tell us about the process you followed when you pulled together material to write Healing the Vessel? Did okay. you go? I said that. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, go to, oh. give me an example. Like, did you go to the library? Did you interview people? The process you followed to, to pull Healing the Vessel together. Okay, the process that I, I pulled to write um, this book, Killing the Vessel, God pulled from my diary, and I, I I had no idea that He was going to use what I have written personal thought, because Healing in a Vessel is just a personal testimony of what God did in my life, and it was in my diaries because when I think of diary, I think those are things we write for our secret. We don't want to share mm-hmm. with nobody. That's how I do right. diaries. Mm-hmm. And when He said now. You've written all this in your diary. I want you to pull from that and birth a book because I'm going to use what you went through to help somebody else because I can't be effective in my ministry uh, about what God has done if I haven't gone through it. It's a difference mm. between sympathizing with somebody and empathizing. I can right. empathize with you because I've been through it, but mm-hmm. I can sympathize with you and say, okay, I'm sorry that your mom passed away, but if you're, if I haven't lost my mom, I'm just sympathizing with you. Right. But because I've lost my mom and you've lost your mom, I didn't begin to empathize. I begin to know what the void is when you want to reach out and talk to your mother and share things with her and she's not there. Or when her birthday mm-hmm. comes and you're sitting there with tears coming down your face and you just say, if I could just pick up the phone, if I could just go to her house and see her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and again, you can look at your life. It's so it's so funny when I interview people on off the shelf. I can see things in their life that sometimes they don't see. But you can look back and you can see how you've been prepared for you know the ministry that that you've taken on. You actually probably from the very start were being prepared for it. Now, what key lessons do you want readers to take away? What do you want them to gain? What are the key lessons you want them to gain from reading Healing the Vessel? Out the key lesson that I want them to learn from reading him in the vessel, it doesn't. Um, when I say the term "damaged goods," I want them to don't, don't take it offensively, but to know that God can use damaged goods. What I'm saying, the things that have hurt me, the things that I've been through, that the relationships I've been damaged by, God took that and used that to help somebody else. So, know when to share your testimony. Who to share it to Because sometimes we'll go to church And we've been through something But we, we don't want to share Because we don't want people to know That we're going through something But the mm-hmm. person sitting in there We're on our job We don't have to be in church We can mm-hmm. be going through something And God has brought us out And you see your mm-hmm. co-worker And you, they don't have to say anything But you can tell by their demeanor They are going through something And you can mm-hmm. have that voice Or that inkling saying Share what, what you went through but we won't do it. So I, I want to leave it to readers. If you have a testimony, don't be ashamed. Use that to help somebody else. Encourage your sister, mm. somebody else, your coworker, your, your your church members. Wow. You know, when because I think not, back. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. When yeah. I look back, and I'm sure with many of our off-the-shelf listeners, how many books and sayings did somebody share based on their own experiences that inspired and strengthened and encouraged and motivated me? What you just said is so true. Why do you think, Jacqueline, you, you said this earlier, why do you think we care so much about what we think of, you know, other people think of us when we know we all have struggles? Why do you, why do you think we still care so much? 
Because we we, we value the that that's the, go back to that flesh again. We value the opinion of people. We we, we like that the ego like to be stroked. Okay, I, I'm in with the in crowd. Um, I'm looking good. I, I'm keeping up with the Jones. We like that stroke. That ego likes that stroke of of, mm-hmm. of that persona being well liked, being well perceived. To think that everything is um, going well, everything is peachy key. Mm. That is, you know, that is a scripture that says that's a stumbling block, and it really is because, like you said, it can keep you from doing the very thing you should do because you're sitting there saying to yourself, "But, but, what what so and so and them think?" And that's yeah. really driving your decision. That do and, you have from your experience, your ministry? counseling for our off-the-shelf listeners, any tips, advice you can leave for people who are almost bound, and I mean bound, to what other people think of them. I mean, it creates anxiety in them. They lose sleep at night worrying about what somebody might be thinking of them. Do you have any tips or advice based on your experiences to help people get free from that? The tip that I learned that helped me when I began to know who I was in Christ. Mm. When you when you begin to know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter what family say, it doesn't matter what friends say, because people will try to use your past to keep you in bound, and that's where we stay in bondage. Mm. That's where we don't get delivered. Mm. But when we begin to know how Christ sees. When I begin, my vision begin to change, and I begin to see how God views me. And that comes through the spending time reading your Bible um, in prayer and fasting. That is what helped me get delivered from people. I had to know who I was in God, not in people, mm. but who am I in Christ? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, so so reading the scriptures, prayer, for those who might not be ready to read the scriptures. I know you said you take walks, just spending quiet time uh and 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 just just talking to 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 our source, just talking uh you know, if you're not ready to go to church or read the, read the scriptures, just taking small steps to start and then even asking, please set me free so that I'm yes, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not actually losing peace because I'm always worried about what somebody's thinking of me. And we have to learn to affirm ourselves, making our own affirmations of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can remember when I was younger, I, it was just something I would think about a lot. What so-and-so think if I do this? What so-and-so think if I wear this? What so-and-so right. think? And, it, you, and you really can't live your own life. But some people are adults and they're still bound to that. They yeah. just, it's always what is what's what are they going to think? What do these people think? What and every decision is based on what will make, they think other people would think highly of them for. You can't live your life doing that. Now, now, yeah. uh, writing writing teaches. Um, it teaches not only the reader a lot, but also the writer. I wanted to ask you, what did you learn about Jacqueline while you were writing healing? in the vessel that you didn't know before you sat down to write the book? The key thing that I learned about um, about Jacqueline, I didn't know that there was purpose in my pain. Wow. But when I was going through everything that I went through that I share in the book, I I couldn't see no purpose. But Mm. after I wrote the book and and went back and just read it, that's, that's what came to me. That's the key thing I've learned about Jacqueline, that there's purpose in my pain. Wow. Yeah, to help somebody else. Yeah. yeah. What What were the hardest parts? Now, you said this book is based on your personal experiences, so healing in the vessel means you received healing. What were the hardest parts of of writing this book? Personal books, I think, would be so <laughs> difficult. What were the hardest parts of writing Healing in the vessel for you, where you just didn't even want to continue. Maybe um, the hardest part was, was writing the book because I had to go back in some areas. As I said, I I, I put bandages on. Sometimes we do mm-hmm. we, we put bandages on things, and um, we don't want to pull the bandage off so the sore can get that air and heal totally. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was the hardest thing. The um, I began to see that the reason why not only God was using the book. 
to heal others, but he was using it to heal me first. Wow. Because wow. I, even though I wrote it in my diary, I wrote it and left it in the diary. But God began to deal with me. You just wrote it, but you ain't dealt with it. And that's what we do mm. every day. We have issues that we just, we log in the back of our mind. We may, not ment- we may not physically write it down, but we mentally write it down and store it back. And God said, it's, it's no more. It's no more because your ministry is a part of healing. So in the healing process, now I need you to take the bandage off and allow the air, which is the spirit of God, to breathe on you so you can get total healing. Because if you keep a sore covered with band-aid, with a band-aid, it doesn't heal as quickly. And if you mm. pull that band-aid off, it heals quickly. God said, yes, you have the scars, but then you have healing process. No more with that, that, that that's great. That hard core will be on there. You know, it'll go back to that natural skin, the natural that called you to be. Mm. You'll be complete. Wow. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, <laughs> you are a minister and can feel it. I can tell it. What were the easiest parts for you where it just was a breeze when you were writing Healing in the Vessel? Um, the easy part was for me writing my bio. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. The easy part was the, the bio, but each of the chapters, um, as I said earlier, they, they were dealing with stuff that I had just written in my diary and I just didn't deal with, and it was a part mm-hmm. of me having to go back through, like, the, the loss of my mother, um, mm-hmm. the time uh, when my house was about to be foreclosed on, mm-hmm. um, just, just just different things that I had to go back and deal with. Because and not only so – go ahead. Go ahead. Not only no, deal ahead. with, but, but only to – not only deal with, but to resolve it and put closure to I think that's so important that you've said that. It's not just writing it down, but you have to actually work through it, go through the whole process. I've heard people say this even in therapy, that if you don't go through the whole process, therapists will tell you you're going to have to go back through it again. So you might as well go through the whole thing. Yeah. And and don't let uh, some uneasy feelings, you know, like I tell my son, don't let emotions stop you. The emotions come yeah. and go. Don't let the fact that you might feel sad stop you. Go all the way through so you don't have to go back through it again. Now, you said something that I wanted to touch on for our listeners who might be going through something similar. You said even when you were facing possibly getting your home foreclosed, how did you get through that process? Now, that that process, that's, that's another part of just stepping out of faith. When I have done, uh, and I had done all that I could do, I had to just leave it in the hands of God. And I remember telling God, however you fix it, whether me and my kids, we have to praise you from the treetop, I'm still going to serve you. Mm. But, God, I want you to remember that me and my kids need a roof over our heads. Mm. And it just... It just worked itself out. Was there any steps you had to take? I went. Okay. Um, I went to the courthouse. I, I had to go to a hearing date, and 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 God just moved in the hearing. Um, when I went there, God had told me to just be quiet and let the because the judge asked, "Did I want to speak first, or did I want the mortgage lawyers to speak first? And God said to let them speak first. So I let them speak first. And the woman that was representing the mortgage company at that time. The attorney began to speak on my behalf. Mm. Never met her. But she began to say that, you know, I have been in constant contact with them, you know, supplying all the paperwork and, you know, doing everything I need and, and explaining my situation. And she said she would ask that they just give me more time and she was going to go back to the morning. Wow. Oh, my and goodness. One of my friends went with oh me my and he goodness. was just so, just so amazed. But sometimes yes. it's like God... God told the Israelites, like, sometimes we just have to be still and know that he's God. Yeah, and you, you, he said be quiet, and it, what if you hadn't obeyed? It might not have gone that way. That is so important to, to to follow the instructions for people who say, well, they might not believe in God. Even when something within, you know something's giving you direction. Call it what you want to, but you know it's giving you direction. Right. It is intelligent and wise. To obey that, because if you go one little wrong way, like if you had gone in there talking, blah 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 blah, running my mouth first, right? Oh, it might have the whole thing. 
you had no idea that, and God knows everything, that this woman was going to say something. But you said something else in that that I wanted to say, because as we come down to the end of the show, it's gone by so quickly, is that I know. Um, you took action. You see, see I, from the start of this interview, just when I was asking about your work career and the journey you've been on, and you can I can see some of your journey, even though I don't know you, but you said, the 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 mortgage one attorneys were saying you kept in contact you gave your paperwork sometimes we run the bill collector calls no. we made the bill we made the bill you don't want to put that use that credit card you made the bill and then we want to run from the bill collector we we tell them lies we 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 run no. you you took action and that's why I think it worked out so well for you and I, I encourage our listeners to do that don't run from your responsibilities it could nope. could play in your favor later that that is true i mean and you know that is that's one of my chapters in my book about uh, the ram in the bush and god worked it out so that um my dad had gotten a bonus check and when i came home my mom was living at the time she said your dad left something on the counter for you mm. i had to share with my mom and my dad what i was going through you know um and i opened the envelope and the money that I needed to catch my mortgage, I did wow. and it was down to the penny. And I knew oh. it was God. Yes. Oh, praise God. I mean, yeah, he's a provider. <laughs> yes. He's but a provider. He's said a, earlier. Yes. Wow. That is amazing. Now, what have readers been saying? about healing in the vessel when they read the book and you hear, you hear from readers, what have they been telling you that they feel gained from or or, or what are their feelings and thoughts about healing in the vessel? Um, so many of my readers have um, been telling me that they, they've they seen themselves in that same situation, um, mm. how different things that I've gone through, but how my, my faith, they, they said that my book has helped elevate their faith to another level, to and also to let them know that there's purpose in their pain because sometimes they were saying, like, they go through stuff and they just can't see why am I going through this. But after reading mm-hmm. the book, they realize there's, there's a purpose in my pain. Um, their faith has been elevated. Um, people have been telling me they've, they've been physically, spiritually, and mentally just healed. They can just feel the healing from reading the pages of the book. Wow. And, Isn't um, that something? The, yes, and the last thing I would like to share that someone – a young lady in my um, neighborhood, her and her daughter bought it, but um, she touched me because she said that it was as if she, she, I've never met her daughter, and her daughter said it was as if that she could hear me ministering the word from the pages. And wow. she was going through some things, but she said it was just as if she could hear my voice just ministering to her. And another reader told me that because of my openness, that is what mm. she was really loved about the book, that I didn't try to put up this facade or, or use these big terminology. I was just open and transparent. Well, people appreciate sincerity, and they appreciate that. Even when you think about some entertainers that people really like, they like people who they feel are being sincere and don't have a hidden motive and, and not afraid to even show these are the mistakes that I have made. And you do come across that way. I think people really appreciate that genuineness and others. Now, what process, we only have about seven minutes left, before our listeners who themselves want to publish a book, I want to touch on this. What process did you follow to get your book, Healing in the Vessel, published? Um, I um, talked to other experienced writers, asking them, you know, who they used to publish and um, what else I did. I also looked around on the Internet because I, I typed in, like, publishing company, and mm-hmm. now they're having, like, self-publishing, so I'm reading more up on that for my next book. But mm-hmm. I, I talked around. I would recommend, like, talking to other experienced authors, um, seeing what um, publisher they have used because um, they've had experience with different types of publishing that can help you and avoid you from going through some roadblocks and heartache. Because one of the authors, I mean, she she had a bad experience with a publisher, and I was about mm-hmm. to consider to use them, but had I not wow. asked her, you know, her publisher, so I would recommend, like, that, um, taking time um, writing, getting your thoughts on paper, because that's the first thing, getting back up, getting it out on paper or, or typing it. You know, we have all these new modern technology, 
with laptops and, and tablets, getting it out, getting it out of your brain and putting it down onto something concrete. And um, what else? That's about it. So I, I I love the all of your tips and advice and everything you've shared here today has has, has blessed me and I'm sure so so many of our listeners. But when you, two things about you that jump out at me, you take action because some people, um, my two of my brothers are in the ministry and and the, the pastor of the church I attend, he was counseling a guy who couldn't was still unemployed and he asked him, have you like have you applied for a job? And the guy hadn't. He just was just going to pray about it. He said, you, you know, you have to take action, too. And you you take action. You Just to sit back and some people do, like, um, visual boards or do positive affirmations and praying and reading the scriptures. You have to also take action. So, you know, don't. I, I really encourage people to do that, to take action action and you, you you took you took action like with your mortgage situation and you getting different jobs you went down to the college you didn't just keep waiting for stuff to come to you so t- t- taking action i think that is so important and then when you were talking about your book you did research you talked to other authors and going on the internet not just waiting for stuff to magically crystallize in front of you but Taking action, doing take doing research, I think that is so so important because there are people who are really in tune to following a spiritual path, but they don't think they should take no action. They believe stuff should just happen. So I think it's yeah, important work, to stress that work without faith is dead. We, we got to do some work. When you've done, mm-hmm. I firmly believe when we've done our, we all that we can humanly possibly do, then God would do the rest. But we, we, mm-hmm. we've got to take action. We've got to do something. Yeah, I think that's important to, to state, again, because I've seen people who just think prayer about it and just wait for it to magically appear. I think it's really important to stress in these days and times, take action. Take some yeah. action. And how has being an ordained minister and a mentor strengthened your writing and vice versa? Um. Being an ordained minister has has strengthened um, my writing because I'm I'm learning more of I'm seeing learning more of God because it's for me I don't think that like you said earlier we can comprehend everything about God but mm-hmm. doing it, coming into the role as a, as a pastor it, it is helping me with new revelations um, about God. Like one of the revelations that he gave me while writing that I, I talked about in my writing is like bird-like faith. And um, when I was walking, I was like, okay, God, bird-like faith. And he was telling me to look at this empty nest. And the nest was in this tree that the tree was like it was about to fall down. But he said the birds left the nest not knowing where they were going, but they knew their creator. Mm. He said if mankind would get bird-like faith, just wow. trusting their creator. They took yes. action. They 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 flew out the nest. They took action right. and they flew. So God led them where to go to get their next meal. Mm. Yes, yes. It makes me think of that scripture. Are you not worth more than many sparrows? And they and God takes care of them. So right. yeah, having that faith and it's a topic that in this interview that we keep coming back to. Uh, and you had to have it to, to 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 go into your your calling. I want to thank our listeners, and I encourage people to uh, share the, this interview with your again your friends, your family, your colleagues. You don't know who this might be for and who it might bless. And I, I can I can see the um, the calling on you. I can actually feel it. So I, I thank you, Jacqueline. Who uh, Jacqueline, the author of Healing in the Vessel. Uh, um, so we we want to thank her, Jacqueline Goodwin, for being here with us, and we want to encourage you to go over to Jacqueline Goodwin's website, HealingTheVesselMinistry.com, and it's spelled the way it sounds, HealingTheVesselMinistry.com. The title of her book is Healing in the Vessel, and again, we've been speaking with author and, and, and ordained minister, Pastor Jacqueline Goodwin. We encourage you to get a copy of her book. It just might bless you. 
And if it does, pass it on to somebody else or encourage somebody else to pick up a copy. I want to thank everybody for being with us here on Off the Shelf today. I've truly enjoyed today's show and trust that you have as well. Please come back next Saturday, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will continue to bring you phenomenal authors, business leaders, leaders in the community, uh, people who are doing positive things and taking great Great giant strides forward, people like Jacqueline Goodwin. So as I always tell you, our listeners, I so appreciate you. You are incredible. You are so amazing. You are absolutely amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Jacqueline, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now.